Welcome to Inside SFPS. My name is Cody Donarski. I'm the Public Information Officer for Santa Fe Public Schools. Uh, and this is episode one of Inside SFPS. And now Inside SFPS is going to be a podcast hosted and distributed from SFPS. Um, and it's going to take you, as the title says, Inside SFPS, getting to know um, some of the people in the district, some of the amazing stories that we have of some of our employees, uh, as well as give updates and kind of an inside look at at the things going on in the district can vary from, you know, decisions that have been being made, you know, allowing for more in-depth conversation at some of the things um, going on in the district, whether it's, um, you know, anything to do with COVID or, you know, snow days or anything to do with district decisions. Um, We'll also hear from different members of Santa Fe Public Schools and getting to know them, their story, where they came from, how they got to where they are, and, and get to really know how these people got to the the position that they're in and got to being where they're at. My first guest is Santa Fe Public Schools Superintendent Ilario Larry Chavez. Mr. Chavez, thank you for joining today. Thank you, Cody. Appreciate it. This is an exciting time for us to really try to develop out different ways and methods to uh, provide information, communicate with our community, and really give them an inside uh, look into what it takes to be uh, an employee within Santa Fe Public Schools and some of the decisions that we have to make. So this is great, and I appreciate you taking on this challenge. Absolutely. And so we'll just get right into it. It is the end of the month, or mm-hmm. coming up on the end of the month, right. um, after the new year, 2022. What has January been like for the district? January has been a roller coaster. I mean, we've seen a spike in COVID cases. We've seen a, a slight decline in COVID cases. We went remote. We returned. We've had a, a ton of initiatives that have uh, continued from first semester now into second semester. You know, we're dealing with a snow delay, a snow day closure. And so we've had uh, a number of different uh, decisions that we've had to make just in the month of January that we didn't have to make uh, in the first semester. So it's been a roller coaster to say the least. What has been the most difficult decision? Yeah. You know, you said you've had to go remote. You know, we've had right. a snow closure, snow delay. What What is the most difficult decision? You know, I think it was that uh, that week we, were, we went remote, you know, making a decision like that, that affects all students and staff and also our families out there was very difficult. You know, it was necessary though, and we, we stand behind that decision because we did have a crack in our infrastructure, the infrastructure of testing that is uh, provided by the state. Now, I want to make sure everybody's aware that this isn't something that's provided by Santa Fe Public School staff. This is a state vendor and a state, state-approved state contract. So when we're talking about adjustments, uh, talking about uh, tests or staffing levels at, through PMG, uh, we have to go through the state and, and work with this vendor. So uh, during the month of January, I think that was the, the most difficult decision for us to make. It was the right decision, and it was also the right decision to return a week later. One of the questions that I always see and I always get is, why don't you get more tests? Why why aren't you having more right. staff? And I, I think it's it's difficult to understand. Like we can't just go to the store and buy more tests. Right. We can't. We don't staff that location. That's that's all provided to us. And right. and I think that's been one of the biggest yeah. challenges. Yeah, and we receive those phone calls here uh, and in my office as well. And we do take those phone calls and we do answer all the questions. You know, again, when we're talking about the the capacity which could be staffing, could be the inventory of tests. We do have to work with the vendor. Now, we did see a nationwide shortage of uh, tests. And uh, throughout the state of New Mexico, 
we've seen an issue with the vendor providing enough staff or the the ability to provide the proper tests. So we're working through those those issues. We think we have it ironed out. And that's one of the main reasons that we returned uh, after that week of remote learning, because we did have that assurance by the state and PMG that we would not see a disruption to our testing. Absolutely. What goes into a decision like that? Obviously, it affects a tons of families oh. and students. And what goes into that decision? And, and from, from the beginning where the, the idea is, how do we even get to this point? And then what are the steps that follow? Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good question. Uh, we listen to our staff. We listen to our students, our community. Um, we, we talk amongst, amongst ourselves. It's very collaborative. It's very open in our dialogue because it, it's a very difficult decision to make. Um, we talk to our state agencies. Uh, we talk to our vendor. So when we're looking at making this type of decision, we look at all of those variables, but we're also taking into consideration absences, vacancies, the number of positive individuals uh, while they're on campus. And so all that played into this decision. It just happened to be um, kind of a perfect storm, right? We had uh, a crack in the infrastructure of testing. We saw a spike in positive cases, which uh, included absences of staff members and also compounding that the current vacancies. So it was just a, a time for us to hit the pause button, really get everything aligned. Uh, that way we could reopen a, a week later. And it's, it's not that there, there was a lack of, of trying. I know, right. you know, we have district staff, we have district staff in classrooms. I know, you know, we have tons of district staff who have teaching licenses, mm-hmm. who were teachers at one point in their career, who are going back into the classroom. Right. I know our principals mm-hmm. are stepping into the classroom. You know, when I've made calls to principals, you know, they don't get back to right. me. And then they're like, sorry, I was teaching math this period. The district has been trying to fill these vacancies right. as best as possible. Right. You know, and a lot of credit goes to our uh, educators. And when I mean by educators, that includes teachers, EAs, nurses, bus drivers, student nutrition, you name it, custodial staff. You know, everybody's included when I say educators because they have stepped up to the plate. They've been uh, taking on ad- uh, added responsibilities and duties. If we have a vacancy or absence, they step up and, and take on those responsibilities of that day for that site. We do have district staff happen, helping out in in schools. We have now state employees uh, helping out this month in our schools. So it's going to have to be a united front. We're going to have to be understanding. and We're going to work, have to work together to get through this pandemic. But I want to give a lot of uh, kudos to everybody who has uh, stepped up and, you know, specifically to our teachers. You know, they are writing lesson plans for our subs. They're taking on additional classes. They're taking on additional students. Um, So, you know, they get a lot of credit for really helping us through the first semester and helping us through the month of January. For people like me who I'm not an educator, I don't come from an educational background. When we talk about writing lessons plans, when we talk about taking on an extra class, you know, to someone like me, oh, you're just taking on one extra class. You know, you're having students for one more period. Mm What is that kind of responsibility? How much does that add to a teacher's plate? Because most people don't know what what that adds to a teacher's day. Oh, it adds a lot. You know, it takes away their ability to plan for their class. So now they're planning for two classes. Uh, they could be planning for whatever subject they're teaching and an additional um, assignment or subject. They're maybe picking up a grade level that they're not currently teaching. So it, it, it takes on a life of its own for our educators that are picking up additional duties, uh, not to mention uh, lunch duty, you know, bus duties. So they're all pitching in. It's a, you know, an added layer that 
Really, um, I think we have to acknowledge because right now they're going through a tough time. You know, we are talking about the educator burnout. You know, we want to try to retain all educators. We're trying to recruit new educators, but we're in a difficult time right now. And so I think for us to be understanding as a community, as a school community, and really be um, in support of one another is really going to help us get through uh, the second semester. Yeah, absolutely. I know for anyone who is listening, who may not have an educational background or may have have been through another career and, you know, wants to pivot or transition into um, education and becoming a teacher, Santa Fe Public Schools does offer the alternative licensure program, which allows you to, if, if you've come from a previous background and you're looking to get into education, um, you know, you can get your teaching, teaching license that way. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the alternative licensure program? Yeah. And, and it's also for those, those that may want to just change the profession. Um, what we're doing within the district, uh, part of using our, our federal stimulus uh, funding is providing that uh, stipend for them to enter the program and also complete it. That way it's not money coming out of their pocket and because they are providing a service uh, for us uh, to become a teacher. So we want uh, individuals who have a degree and uh, we'll help them become a certified teacher and uh, plug them into a school or a classroom that they uh, feel that is a good fit. So we want to be flexible and we want to be uh, supportive of this initiative because we need teachers. We're always hiring teachers. We're always hiring, hiring subs. Go onto our website, sfps.info. Go under the human resources tab and you'll find a list of current vacancies. So we're always at need um, of hiring quality individuals and we'll continue to support them to become licensed or certified. Going back to, to the remote learning week, um, one thing that I wanted to touch on is connectivity. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know just being with the district from January of 2020, right before the pandemic started, you know, Santa Fe Public Schools was one of the the few districts in the state who was ready to mm-hmm. to kind of get into the pandemic. Right. Um, we had one-to-one devices um, for students, so every student had a device in their hands when we went home. You know, one of the bigger issues that we've run into, and that's not a, a Santa Fe thing, that's just a New right. Mexico thing, is internet. Mm-hmm. Um, I know working with Dr. Neil Weaver, who's the chief information and strategy officer with the district, that the district is working with a company called Locket to help provide internet for students. How much is the district doing to make sure that all students can have access to internet? Oh, we're doing as much as we can. Uh, we've issued out during that week of remote learning over 300 uh, high quality hotspots. So individuals that either didn't have internet uh, connectivity, uh, had internet issues or just poor quality of internet, uh, we provided them that service, that little hotspot to really help them, um, you know, continue with their, their learning, um, even though it's in a remote setting. We're also, we also have uh, Wi-Fi on all of our buses. Uh, I know at that time, we weren't riding buses, but even when we're in session, they have Wi-Fi capabilities to and from schools. Uh, we also have Wi-Fi in our parking lots at, at all of our schools. Uh, we continue to pilot a program uh, that you mentioned, Cody, Locket, which is going to come out later next week or, or in the month of February, really talking about the opportunity for students to have free Wi-Fi in their homes and high-quality Wi-Fi or, or Internet ac- um, access. So I think um, I don't want to spoil what we're going to put out over the next uh, few weeks, but more to come on that. Please be on the lookout. Uh, Go to our social media platforms, go to our website. You'll find a lot of uh, information as we roll out this locket pilot for free um, Wi-Fi for our students. It's really exciting. And I don't want to 
oil too much because it, it's really exciting. It, it's really kind of changing the game for students and for families about making sure that all students can have high quality internet at home. Um, and, and one of the other things that we, we need to kind of reimagine at the district is, and that it's more for students is that making sure that, you know, our laptops, these Chromebooks right. are not just for school. They're not just for remote learning. Right. They're, they're for just learning. Um, and, and kind of how I've coined it is don't forget your textbook. Mm-hmm. Don't forget your notebook. Right. Don't forget your Chromebook. Right. It is now an essential part of learning mm-hmm. and making sure that students, when they go home for yep. the night, take your Chromebook home. Yep. It's not just to access remote learning. It's not just to hop on a Google meet for your class. Mm-hmm. It is really kind of your main tool for it's, it's learning. Your, it's your pencil. Exactly. It's your pencil. And we've upgraded our Chromebook. So again, that goes, um, you know, out. I want to give a lot of credit to Dr. Neil Weaver and the technology department for really continuing to push uh, this envelope forward. Now, again, you know, as Cody mentioned, please remember to bring your, your laptops or your Chromebooks to and from school because it's very important. You never know when we will go remote if that ever comes up down the line. You don't know if a snow day will be a remote day. So we need to be prepared at all times uh, and have that uh, pencil, which uh, we're kind of coining as your Chromebook, uh, available and on you. Yeah. I mean, when I was in when I was in high school, I didn't have a laptop. Mm-hmm. We wrote all of our essays on paper. Um, so you just had to have your notebook on you. But now with Google Docs and all these other, you know, program canvas and, and whatnot, your school lives on that laptop. So you can take it home with you. You know, you're not having to fill your backpack with five different textbooks that are 500 pages each weigh 20 pounds each just right. kind of weighing you down. So um, I, I think that's that's so important. And I mean, even at the district, we take our laptops home yep. every night. I have my iPad that that I carry on me at all times. So, well, um, you know, and even some of our textbooks are online. Yeah. Um, so it's very important it's a, and it's a very useful tool that we'll continue to promote and we'll continue to use moving forward. And you just mentioned snow days and it's a pretty uh, convenient time to bring it up. Mm-hmm. This week that we're recording, we've had two instances of weather delays and right. a closure. Right. Talk a little bit about that process. I think I remember being a kid waking up and right. sitting in front of the TV, waiting for the ticker to, mm-hmm. to come on, you know, with my, what was it? We used to sleep with our pajamas inside out or something like that, hoping for a snow day. What goes into that process? Yeah. What is kind of the behind the scenes look? When does the district start even thinking about closing or even a delay? Right. Yeah. We're always looking at the weather reports. I mean, you may not think Think about us uh, following the weather, watching it on apps or the news, but we definitely do that. You know, uh, Deputy Superintendent Christy Wagner uh, does a great job of keeping us informed. Um, She does a great job of communicating when she thinks weather's rolling in. Um, Part of the process uh, starts days prior, taking a look at it. If we see that in the forecast there could be snow, potential for snow, then we're starting to make plans just in case it hits or dumps in, in Santa Fe. Um, this week alone, on uh, one occasion, we had a two-hour delay. And then um, another occasion, we had uh, to close schools because it was too dangerous to get kids from um, their bus stops or even driving to school and then back home. So, you know, a lot of uh, decisions uh, go through that uh, process. And then when we're starting to communicate, when snow starts to fall, is through the evening. So for, for me and, and for you as well, and for Deputy Superintendent Wagner, we don't sleep Uh, That night, we don't rest. Our phones are going off nonstop. We're communicating. What does it look like? Um, How many inches? Uh, What does the snow look like? Can we clear it? Is it safe for students to be dropped off 
and make it to the door. Uh, a lot of times we forget that we only talk about roadways, but now we're talking about sidewalks. Is there black ice? Can the students enter the building safely from, from the drop-off zone? Uh, we also have crews out on the roads taking a look at uh, the routes that we drive with our buses. Is it safe? Is there ice? You know, what does it look like? Is it snow packed? Uh, have the plows been out there? Have the roads been salted? So all of that goes on all night, early mornings. Uh, we try to make a decision by six at the latest. Uh, if we need to make an update, then we make an update soon after um, uh, whether or not we're going to continue. Uh, we'll report at a specific time or if we call a snow day. So it is a lot of communication. There's a lot of behind the scenes gathering of information that goes on. And it's just not uh, wa- watching the weather report at uh, five in the morning and saying, hey, we hit snow. There's a lot of individuals that need the credit for going out there in, in vehicles to check on routes and really check on uh, the buildings because crews are out there trying to clear five or six in the morning before even uh, the principals arrive. So there's a lot of information gathering data that we collect to make uh, the best educated decision we can at that time. Yeah. I mean, I think we started receiving texts Sunday night into Monday morning saying, hey, Tuesday into Wednesday, you know, we're looking at some snow, you know, we'll keep an eye on it. Tuesday night, crews went home with their vehicles to make sure that so that way early in the morning, three, four o'clock in the morning, they're up driving the roads, checking everything out, seeing what what's going on. And then generally, you know, we're we're already communicating five, five thirty right. about you know, what are the road conditions, especially Deputy uh, Superintendent Wagner has, has been doing this for so long. She has, you know, so much experience watching the weather and, and you know, understanding the conditions of, of the snow. I think even for me, what goes into this process, like you said, is more than just, oh, we got some snow. I think, and I'm thankful that I'm not the one that has to make this decision, but you know, it becomes difficult, for example, like on Wednesday where the North side of the city got hit much harder and made it much more difficult than on the South side. You know, if you woke up, you know, on airport road, you probably didn't see any snow and you're going, well, why, why are we having a two hour delay? What is so difficult and how, how is that decision made when one part of the city doesn't get any snow and the other part of the city, it's extremely difficult to travel under. Yeah. Well, the routes are interconnected. So when you're picking up individuals, it could be elementary, middle school, and high school on a bus. It could just be elementary schools on the bus. So to really say, you know, school A is not going to, to uh, be in session today because of snow makes it extremely difficult on our bus drivers, making sure routes are still covered. Um, but the way that our routes are interconnected makes it difficult to really close a specific school or two or an area um, because we want to make sure that our first pri- priority is to provide in-person learning. But we want to do that in a safe manner. And we want kids to get from A to B safely without concern. And we want to make sure that the, the parents or guardians know that we have that in mind when we're making these decisions. And when it's made, it's a difficult decision, but it's usually because there are concerns out there. It's out of caution. It is out of care. And it's to ensure that nobody gets hurt on the way to school. Absolutely. And, and may I jump in, Cody? Yeah. I, I think this is a great opportunity to really remind the listeners how the notification goes out. Yeah. And so when we, when that notification comes, you know, five, five thirty, you deputy superintendent Wagner and I are already talking about what's going on, what decision we're going to make. And then once we decide, make that decision, we, you know, put the closure delay out on every platform that we can remind, which is our, our communication platform. That is the first one that I get on. We have the message ready to go, letting parents know whether it's a two hour delay or a closure. 
um, we send that out. So you should be receiving that as, as a text, as an email, or um, as a phone call. Um, if you do not receive remind texts, please reach out to your child's secretary uh, and make sure that your information is up to date in PowerSchool. Um, remind does pull all of their information from PowerSchool. So if you've changed your phone number, if you've changed your email in the last couple of months or even the last few years, please make sure that that contact information is correct. If that information isn't correct, we're not getting to you. And, and you know, we need to make sure that we're getting our message out. After that, I'm on the website. On our new website, we now have a new alert banner. So when you log on to the sfps.info website, uh, a big black box comes up with that information. So when you go to the website, if you're looking for that information, it's right there. You can't miss it. You have to click out of it before you can even move on. So put it on the website, on all of our social media channels, Facebook and Twitter. We put out a press release. We notify our staff. I mean, we do everything that we can to make sure that everyone is notified. And even with Remind, um, after the district puts out their notification, I see school notifications rolling in left and right. Here's the schedule for the day. Here's the adjusted right. schedule for the day. So at the district, we've really tried to revamp our communication process. I know when I first started, the process would take forever. We've just been able to streamline this process, making it quicker and easier to roll out of bed, say, oh, schools are closed or there's a two hour delay and move on with your day. Yeah. And we're also trying to get that message out in both English and Spanish. Yes. I think that's important to, to note. We also still report closures and delays to the, the uh, news organizations, radio and TV. So there's still that opportunity. If you are a radio listener or if you watch TV for the delays, like we used to growing yeah. up, uh, we still do that reporting on, you know, on our side. Yeah. And with Remind, one of the things that I want to mention that's really great about it, if you if you log on to Remind.com and, and log in with, with your email address, you can set your notification preferences. So you can say if you prefer texts or email, you also can choose the language that you want to receive it in. Um, when I say, or it auto translates. So when I type out a message in English, it will send as the recipient's chosen language. And so I have you know, English, we have Spanish. I see that some people have chosen uh, Chinese and even a German. So our messages are going out in a variety of languages and making sure that the recipient is receiving it in the language that they feel most comfortable in. Mm -hmm. No, no, that's a great point, Cody. And, you know, again, if you need assistance with getting these notifications, please, please reach out to your school so we can update your contact information. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're busy. You got a lot of stuff going on today. Um, so I appreciate you taking the time to, to sit down and kind of help walk through some of the decisions that the district made. You know, we've had some tough decisions in January. Um, so kind of walking people through because there there's a lot of how does this decision get made or why did they decide to do that? So much goes into it. So many people are involved. So many considerations are being made when we make these decisions. And so I just would like to take a, a, a moment to kind of walk everyone through what the podcast is going to be moving forward. So, you know, this was episode one with the superintendent kind of walking through the last month, some of the decisions that the district has made, but it won't always be like this. A lot of what we'll be doing moving forward is sitting down with district members, principals, teachers, board members, even maybe some alumni um, that we're able to get a hold of and, and get their stories. So many people that are involved in this district come from so many backgrounds, so many unique walks of life, different places. You know, I'm originally from Buffalo. I'm a long way from home, but I'm here and I'm part of this community. And, and so many other people in the district are like me coming from different backgrounds, different countries, different backgrounds in, in what they did. I mean, yeah, trainings, professions, you yeah. name it. I mean, for, for example, 
I think so many people have changed their careers. Um, what was your first uh, career path? But in, in college, I think I changed uh, my degree four or five times in college, to be honest. So, you know, the, it was the right path. I finally found it. Um, but, you know, I really did try to avoid education when I first started out as a, uh, you know, higher ed student. There's so many interesting stories. And, you know, being in my role, I've gotten to meet so many people across this district and, and getting a chance to sit down with them and, and really allow them a space to to tell them who they are or tell the community, Santa Fe, who they are and why this work is so important. Because at the end of the day, we're here for the kids. We're here to serve the students. We're here to serve uh, the city of Santa Fe. And it's really important that, you know, the community gets to know the people who are working with their kids and, you know, making these decisions. And, you know, everyone at the end of the day has, you know, students' interests at at their heart. So, um, I think it's it's really important to tell these stories. Is there anything else that you would like to add about the no, podcast? Or? I just want to thank you. Uh, this is uh, hopefully hopefully uh, the first of many. So I appreciate you uh, and taking this challenge on and really providing another option for our community to hear about Santa Fe Public Schools and what we have to offer. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you everyone for listening to Inside SFPS and we will see you next time.